Hello and welcome to this episode of No Way. My name is Judy and I'm here with Alex and Aurelia today. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Today we will speak about what influencers are and who influenced us. And I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Are you guys too? Yeah, it should be interesting. Yes, sure. Great. So um, we'll get started right away after this song. So, surely there are lots of people we meet in our life from time to time, but unfortunately not everyone is able to satisfy our hunger to rediscover this life from different angles. So, especially in moments when the life itself starts losing its unpredictability and sharpness. So, by that I mean the moments when you chew the same ideas and phenomena all the time. And uh, the problem is that, personally, it brings me uh, the same feeling as some kind of ancient... Uh, Chinese torture with uh, water drops when you're basically sitting and in a meanwhile start feeling the in insufferable noise made by persistent water dripping onto your head. So, but suddenly you meet people who bring some new intel to you, some bring new interests and some kind of new mental foods you, you need to chew before consuming. So, I call these people enlighteners, but the word influence is more common these days. So, Relia, what do you think about those? About the influences, you say. I don't know. Um, you know, they exist, I guess. Um, I, I think, like, the real question should be, well, what makes uh, a person an influencer? Or maybe uh, if they chose to do that, like, consciously, to be an influencer in, in today's world, like, on Instagram and shit, are an influencer, I guess. But but the people who didn't choose to do that consciously, are they still, could they still be call, called an influencer uh, by by like today's definition actually i think the biggest influencers are the ones that we wouldn't define as such so um for example when i think of people who have influenced me in a great way i don't necessarily think of people i see on social media but right of like my parents or like people that are very close to me so i think an influencer really could be everyone and if you are doing great in your life, you'll be an influencer to tons of people that you don't know even exist, perhaps. Yes, exactly. I totally agree with you. But like then, then the question arises, the people who call themselves influencers, are they really influencers? Yes, the people that make money off it. Right, I know. Because, you know, for example, like in Lithuanian, an influencer, we also call them influencers, um, like a Lithuanized version of the word. But but like the, the correct translation probably would be a someone who forms an opinion or s who helps to form an opinion. And somehow I don't think that the people who, um, I don't know, just wrote some great books or did some great things and and or your parents... Uh, they didn't, you know, do that consciously, probably. No, I agree. I think those opinion makers aren't really the same thing as true influencers. And as Alexander said before, it's kind of a very noble thing. It's um, He called them enlighteners, I believe, right? Well, yes, I think that's the question to you. But uh, the problem is that to be an influencer, that depends on you because th those people shape yourself because in a far greater degree than, than we shape ourselves every day. And uh, the difference is that uh, some kind of people, well, though kind of noble people, enlighteners, they, um, they don't have a need to say something most of the times because they have already said everything they wanted to. 
And uh, that's why my influences are mostly dead people, unfortunately for me, but they keep influencing me every day. I think um, there is some beauty in having influences that are alive or concerned with today's problems. And we'll talk later more about influences that um, have long passed, but I think um, it's important to value and appreciate and acknowledge the people that influence you on a daily basis. I think it's not only those that are dead and, you know, are the great minds of history, but rather also those that influence you in minor ways or that you see every day and you appreciate them for how they handle things or how calm they are or, you know, that have special traits. And I think there is um, a beauty in seeing and acknowledging that. Oh, yeah, sure. I agree. (laughs) Do you, Aurelia, have um, people that are still alive that kind of influences by who they are? Well, yeah, I guess I have, you know, my family, my mother especially. (laughs) Um, And also there are some great, uh, I don't know, like scientists or or linguists that whose works I read. and, And by reading those works, I... I don't know, I form my own view of the world, my own attitudes, and, and they are still alive. Yes. And and they tweet, for example. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, and, and that's also kind of an, you know, they they are an influencer of sorts, but, but not the one who chose to be an influencer as a profession by of making, course. you know, brand deals and, and stuff. Yes, I think there is a... Um, yeah. It is very nice to meet, meet those influencers who don't mean to be huge or existential or right. es- especially right. important, right? Yeah, I think like the best kind of influence is is the one you do unconsciously. Yes, definitely. Well, it, it can also be a bad influence <laughs> if we're talking about that. But, but yeah. What about you, Alex? Do you have like uh, people that you feel influenced by and they are still alive? <laughs> well, my parents, because I'm the, the direct product of their hard work, so... But uh, in terms of my hobbies, because I have few of them, well, yes, certainly there are there are certain guitar players which influence me even today because they bring some 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 new ideas to to my own playing, and uh, that's always interesting. So, but uh, I focus mostly on those who actually died because uh, their experience. Uh, was the first and uh, uh, I can't see the point of consuming and reconsuming the things which have been already said and told and so we need to look to something really new and just to stop reconsidering things. I think um, the great influencers haven't been the ones who experienced things for the first time rather it is more in a way where people kind of always experience something that has been there before. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Yes, because every generation is standing on the shoulders of the previous generation, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, well, uh, I I have... Yes, that's that's okay, but I have a feeling that today, well, 90% of people I meet every day, they're primitive. And uh, that's a feeling, and that's my problem. I understand that, but I cannot elude that. So, well, I don't believe that. You know, just because some people aren't outstanding in 
showing who they are in their words, it doesn't mean they're primitive. It just means that there are some people who can show who they are way better with their words. And those people usually become those grand influencers in history when they have an extraordinary talent with language and expressing themselves and their feelings. Yes, but, but by doing that, they don't impress me. And that's my problem. I, uh, I should say that twice, but uh, I'm still looking for something new, to something unique and which which well, is able to impress me. I think. Um, well, I I would want to say good luck then. I yes, guess <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank because you know I think that um, you talked about uh, the things being said again and again, the same things. But I think there's also um, uh, about about a way in which the things are being said, because because you can always craft new ways of saying the same thing, and and that's also the beauty of language and the beauty of yes. influencing people. I think totally agree. Totally yes. agree. Yes. Um, so perhaps a last word I'd like to say to that matter is. Um, that we have already spoken a bit about um, influences that influence in other ways and languages. And Alexander talked briefly about musicians, but who is also a great influence and who can do so much good and so much bad in their lives by um, just being and doing their work are teachers. I think there are so many teachers who influence um, children and, you know, in a whole lot of ways. Yes, definitely. And... Um, that is um that is something really impressive in my opinion. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the way they talk or act, but um they also influence um by the way they um they are. Yes, <laughs> really. How yeah. how understanding they are or you know, how strict they are even. So I think that is something really interesting. Yeah. So um Judy, do you want to tell me, tell us about a person who you think is a great influencer or has had a great influence on you? Yes, definitely. So I think um, very often it is linked to history or great historical events that people become influencers, right? So it is um, perhaps, you know, as an Austrian, one of the, the greater mm. happenings in our country were the world wars. Um, and I would like to tell you about one influencer in particular that just stood out to me and so many other women, and that is Sophie Scholl. I don't know. Have you heard of her? No, I have not. Have no, you? I think I haven't. So basically, she was a student from Germany. She was born in 1921, and she was in a resistance movement in the Second World War called the White Rose. And she handed out leaflets um, at a German university. I think it was Munich, the University of Munich. Um, and she became uh, the leader, actually, together with her brother, of the greatest underground organization that um, Germany really had in the in the student formations. And that is really impressive to me. She was um, a Christian-raised girl. And, of course, back in the time, it was not usual for women to study at all. And it was so important to her to reflect her views of, you know, love thy right. other. Yeah. Um, How old was she again? She was born in uh, 1921. So she uh, was in her early 20s. Yeah. Um, in the Second World War. Or, um, yeah, even 19, I think. Um, 
yeah, so she was she was a really impressive person just because she was so brave, I think. Yeah. And um, not only that, she um, stood to it. So um, when she was asked whether w she was producing those leaflets and leading the underground um, organization, she was brave enough to say, yes, I'm doing that and I have good reason for doing so. And if you're not happy with that, then um, get rid of me if you must. And, right. Um, she got okay. at the age of 22 or 23, 23 I think, she got um, beheaded by the guillotine. Right. Um, and she was uh, walking out on the day she was uh, beheaded on. And she said, it's a beautiful day. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's very sad I have to die today. But if that's what you have to do for freedom, then so be it. Right. Okay. So she just, you know, sacrificed herself. Yes, in she a way. did. And she tried to, to set the sign. I, um, there's a huge discussion, I feel, about whether you have to die for your beliefs or you don't. And in my opinion, it is very much so that if something is on stake and you are not all right with how a government or a society handles an issue, you have to stand up for it and, um, you know, keep your backbone. And she really did that. And as a young woman in the first part of the 20th century, I feel like that is one of the bravest thing a human being possibly could do. Right. And did the did the underground organization, I don't know, succeed in anything? What was the purpose of it and and, and like stuff? Well, it was during the Second World War and yeah. it was a resistance group, so it was against um the acts and the lead of the NSDAP, um the Yeah. party of um the what is called <laughs> the Nazi party. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes. Oh my, translation is really hard to die. Um, but she tried to convince um, the academics and especially the, you know, upcoming academics to get back to a more scientific view and not be silenced by a government that um, is murdering people and, you know, staking yeah. war in um, Europe. So I think she's a, she's a very impressive person, even though she wasn't as vocal in a loud way. Right. And she was rather, you know, an underground vocal. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, she, of course, shouldn't uh, or couldn't perhaps go around and tell people about her views. So right. That is something yeah. that really makes her unique. And um, I think the second person who is in this segment and that we want to talk about um, is Pavlov. Is that right, Alex? Well, yes. Uh, I think I'm not going to cover... Uh, the complete study of uh, well, no, of please don't. Conditional <laughs> reflexes because no. it's not interesting. <laughs> that is, that is what uh, I'm just going to explain uh, the way he influenced me. What did he show? Well, he showed to me the true human being. Well, he explained that I can become almost everyone I want to be. So if I have will and effort. So I have to know how to interpret his experiments and apply them to... Uh, to my everyday life to benefit from it. But it requires some logical thinking too. Well, uh, in terms of logical thinking, I would say that there were a couple persons too who influenced me in a way like nobody else. But Pavlov, with his uh, studies, is a, good, is a good way to think about everyday life things, but from different angles and from different perspectives. So what did he actually show? He showed that the most important part of human life is education, because you can miss almost every part. But if you miss that, 
you won't come anywhere. So yes, I get that. Um, what I wanted to say before, unfortunately, you didn't let me talk, um, was that what I think is really interesting about that is that we sh- chose very different people. So you chose Pavlov as someone who is very scientific and who had such great influence on people all over the world, right? And I think that kind of shows what we discussed in the beginning about who can be an influencer. Really, everyone can be. And what stands out with Pavlov, um, especially in comparison with someone who worked in an underground um, resistance group as Sophie Scholl did, was that he not only influenced people, but also a whole scientific view on how people behave. And I think it, I think you said it even influenced you in um, how you deal with people. Well, maybe I've, I haven't heard about uh, about uh, about her studies and uh, her influence, but uh, I think maybe I'll, after program I'll check some information about her. Maybe yes, I agree. Well, as as I said before, she died when she was twenty three. She didn't do any studies. She was just an influencer. That's what we're talking about. What I'm saying is that um, Pavlov has influenced you. Oh, in yes. a great way with his studies, which is really interesting because it's very different from how Sophie Scholl can influence people. Can you talk a bit like about that? How, like, give examples and share how Pavlov uh, influenced you? What what changed maybe? Well, it changed me that uh, you have to strive to achieve something. You have to uh, you have to change your life when you want to, without uh, without waiting for something else, because nothing will change. Yeah, and have you been like applying that to your own life? Well, because uh, I never give up. First of all, right. If I have a bad day, I know that tomorrow will be the another day. And the study about reflexes shows me that the more you do something, the more you learn, the more you try to to be to be better in in the thing you do. So because you you really have to dive into the study but uh, i think it's not a good idea to do that on an entertainment show so <laughs> right okay <laughs> just n- try not to be boring uh, i think uh, i'm not boring now you're not no you're not you're all right so okay, because yes and the problem with pavlov and the problem with my other influences that uh, they can make you boring yes that's their principal problem <laughs> influences can make you boring yes so so how is that working well, they can, uh, for example, they can take away your illusions people experience every day, and they actually inaccessible to me. So sometimes it does make me boring, but I never intended to wear a clown nose. So perhaps that is the problem we have it's, with. It's uh, not my job. Yes. Perhaps that is the problem we have with dead influencers. So um, I'm very much looking forward to today's living influences. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Coming right up. Yeah. So uh, welcome back. And um, uh, Judy and Alex both talked about people who are dead, unfortunately. <laughs> dead. <Dead-ed. laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna talk about uh, two women who are alive today, and one of them is Sarah Maitland, and she was born in 1950s. Um, so she's 71 now. And um, she's a British author. Uh, she was born in and and raised as well, I think, in Wiltshire. So it's uh, it's in in the Great Britain in England. And um, she actually uh, wrote a book, uh, a book of silence, the Book of Silence, I think. Uh, and um, 
And she's also written uh, other short stories, other novels. Uh, I haven't read those, but I have read uh, A Book of Silence. And the the reason why I chose uh, to talk about her is is um, because of that book mainly. So um, she she was actually uh, considered a feminist writer of the sixties like one of the first feminist writers of, of, of that time and and um she 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 grew up in a very noisy environment i'd say and um she yeah she always talked with people always argued and and in the, participated in in discussions and and stuff and then when she turned 50 she left all that life behind and went to live uh, in the mountains of Scotland uh, alone and that was to experience silence and she wrote a book about that and and the book is actually really really um I don't know impactful I haven't finished it yet but but the part that I read had a very I wouldn't say it was a really great influence but but it made me think about silence and you know how people often think about silence as as something uh, as a lack of sound I'd say yes definitely yeah as a lack of 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 anything I I don't know maybe even death and and abyss and yeah right and um, Sarah Maitland she writes about about the silence as um as a completely other thing and she doesn't regard it as um I don't know, like as a bad thing, I'd say, and but 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 she also doesn't say that you know silence will make all your problems disappear, and um uh, and and it's a it's actually a, a very intimate thing, silence and solitude, yeah. So so she wrote a, bo- a book about that, and and um and I read a part of that book, and and she I I wouldn't say that she had like influence. I, I don't know if she had influenced other people and 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 stuff, but. She had a very great influence on me personally. So I'm very interested when she influenced you in a way about silence. Do you feel like you have not been all right with silence before and now are? Or? I, I have been all right. Like I love silence, but it just made me, I don't know. I think I never thought about it. Um, it just was. It just was, exactly. And the book itself, um, I read actually a review Um of the book and 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 the author of the review they said that you know the book itself isn't silent because it's full of things and and it's really interesting that the contrast between between te- talking about silence and about silence itself yes i think um especially um it also can be helpful with influencers themselves to have someone who influences you in that regard because so often influencers just try to scream louder or be right, exactly. more, right? And if someone just sits back and just yes, is. Yes, and just is and just experiences. Mm. And and as I said, like silence is often regarded as um as as nothingness. Yes. As there being a lack of something. But it's actually so full of things. Yes. So full of of I don't know, emotions and, and Mm, I don't know extraordinary experiences, and it made me actually really want to I don't know <laughs> go go to the mountains myself and probably spend a week or two just just being. How do you feel about such influences that um, are more about silence, and can you kind of see some beauty in that too? Well, surely, science uh, or science, silence 
uh, is the most important part of being boring. And that's why it's, it appeals to me in a way like nothing else. So, yes, I love silence. What, what, what do you mean uh, the most important part of being boring? Are uh, silent uh, people boring? Is that what you're trying no, to say? No, I mean I boring. And uh, the most important part of me is silence because uh, I don't get... I, I don't understand... I don't quite understand people who actually um, are irritated by silent people because if you, for example ask a question and uh, your interlocutor is thinking about uh, about yeah. it about okay. answering mm-hmm. your question because it means that it's really important to him it's re- it, yeah. it means that yeah exactly it i means totally that, uh, agree with you and yeah and and that actually <laughs> really beautifully leads to to the next person that i wanted to talk about and she's also wrote about silence but about other kind of silence um uh, so she's called susan kane and she was born in 1968 uh in i don't remember was it usa or canada <laughs> sorry but but uh, but she's um she's a lawyer she's a negotiations consultant whatever that means and um Uh, she's all she also has a degree in English literature and she wrote a book that's called Quiet the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking and this book oh my god i suppose you both know what an introvert or an extrovert of course is yes. right yeah so so this book is mainly about introverts and and how the world disregards them as i don't know as misanthropes as as people who don't like people or who don't like talking or even as shy people and and things like that and and her book is about um i don't know about about the extrovert ideal of our society and that the one who talks uh, the loudest has the best ideas which is not necessarily true and she writes about that and in my case i'm an introvert and and to say that i'm a misanthrope would be like oh my god that would be so uh I don't know. You you would miss greatly <laughs> because I love people. I really love people and and this book actually when I read it 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 helped me kind of realize that there's nothing wrong in in you know wanting to be silent and wanting to ponder and wonder about about questions and and yeah. I think uh, very often when people talk about extrovertism versus introvertism it is that introverts are being confused with people with social anxiety right exactly like it doesn't mean just because you're an introvert you don't like people or even like to talk yes. to people yes exactly and that's the main thing that sarah not sarah sorry <laughs> susan kane talks about in her book and and she also talks uh, about how open offices like when you have desk to desk and no secluded uh, space Uh, how they actually are really, really shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because some people cannot concentrate in those environments, and um, and yeah, uh, and 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 I don't know. This book, it was really helpful to me. Like I read it a long while ago, and and it helped me realize some things about myself and, and shape me as well uh, yeah become more comfortable with myself with my, with my own silences and and yeah that is so beautiful yeah and actually there's one bad thing about the book <laughs> that that I wanted to mention it gets really really repetitive uh, uh, at the end 
she just keeps saying the same things that she already said and right. and somehow that's just like this is so off topic but i have experienced that with with uh, other authors from from like across the atlantic ocean <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah so that's one thing we're but just a uh, usa smashing here for everyone else well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well what uh, i'm going to ask you about do you think that uh extroverted people so extroverts they really can't understand people with social anxiety or they just uh, you know it depends on largely depends on uh, on your mood Well, I, I don't know about people with social anxiety, you know, as Judy said before, people uh, with so, so social anxiety and introverts are not the same thing. Extroverted people can also have social anxiety. Yes. Yes. So um, I don't know about that, but maybe uh, both introverts and extroverts have troubles understanding, understanding each other. But, you know, communication can things fix fix <laughs> those things i think it's um a lot about how people treat each other so just because i'm yeah. an extrovert it doesn't mean i can't see and or accept that you need your own space right right and yeah. i feel like there's very often a misconception not only about introverts being uh, you know or having social anxiety but rather as well of people that are introverts and extroverts not getting along greatly like i like you very much aurelia right yeah and i'm good with you not being as bubbly as i am yeah exactly and i'm good with you being as bubbly as you are <laughs> you yes. know we're not being <laughs> so i, I think yeah. those two can uh, can work greatly together and i think it's amazing that um susan kane wrote a book about that how yes you can yes. even be a great minder you know a very interesting and Fun a great to leader talk as to. well. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I don't know. I think and she she also gives, you know, like TED Talks and, and goes to some offices to talk to the, the HR offices and, and, and stuff. So she's continuing her influencing. And I think that's really, really cool. Well, she's alive, so <laughs> that's why she's doing that probably. But she's an introvert herself and, and I don't know, I think it's really beautiful how she uh, being that found courage to I don't know, speak up. Talk. Yes, I yeah. think um, that kind of uh, circles back to the whole alive or dead thing. Yeah, it is just amazing when you can ask people who influence you in a great way and you know that mean very much to you what they especially meant with that passage or why they wrote yeah. that. Yeah. So you could just uh, you know drop a tweet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the great thing about having. Well, as I said, yeah. what they wanted to say, they have just said. So. The other things, oh, like Nietzsche actually said, good quote. So there's no facts, only interpretations. Right. So the way you want to interpret that, so that's your problem, that's uh, your duty. But uh, the things were actually said, that's the part of your author, the author, the, re the book of which you yeah. actually read. So I think I have the same feeling about, about certain people who actually... Uh, are quite controversial by modern standards. Right. Uh, because there are some people who might not agree with them. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, one of my personal heroes f from that uh, category of people, so who provided me the notion, who provided uh, me with notion with uh, uh, of true liberty, of true right. freedom. Yeah, okay. So, and uh, one of the most famous quote. Uh, which uh, he has never said, of course, because uh, 
that was written by Evelyn Hall in her book. That's uh, the kind of author uh, which uh, wrote a book about his biography. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about Voltaire. So the quote is, I might not agree with what you have to say, but I will try to defend the, to the death your right to say it. And that's the perfect ending, and we are going to discuss that later. That was a very interesting quote by Voltaire that you brought here, Alexander. Do you want to tell us something more about him? Well, I think, I think yes. Uh, the problem uh, with Voltaire is that everyone understands the, the notion of freedom uh, the way he wants to hear that. Because some people think that freedom is something that uh, um, can be interfered by someone. But uh, the true freedom can be taken by anyone, I think. So, Aurelia, what do you think about that? About, about freedom? Yes, because I, th I think that's a very important uh, point uh, for discussion, because Voltaire is a person uh, who actually created a dispute, the conversation, the... Um, some kind of conversation with people who actually try to find the truth, which is n which is uh, not that uh, easy thing to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, what about what? What exactly was your question? What do I think about what? About about the true liberty, about the notion of true freedom. So, and uh, is there uh, something which can be taken? from man, like in terms of freedom? No, no, I don't think so. Like you can do it physically, probably lock up a person and, you know, but <laughs> this is a, actually a really funny thing because mm, at school we, you know, read some authors and shit and and uh, um, we also had a discussion and, and there were th th this, the sentence was said that if you have freedom in your own mind then you are free. Uh, like in general, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter if you're locked up. So my point is that, no, I don't think anyone can take away your freedom freedom mm, without, I don't know, uh, doing something to your brain, <laughs> I guess. I think um, that is a very interesting uh, topic to discuss. I very fondly remember my mum telling me back when I was still in school that there is one thing no one can take from me and that is my knowledge and my thoughts. Yes, exactly. And exactly. I feel like that is kind of um, what Voltaire is speaking about. And of course, Voltaire was also, especially when it comes to freedom and freedom of thought, a great influence to religions. And he actually wrote about how religions should accept each other and how they are important yeah. to each other. Yeah. I feel like, um, especially, uh, of course, Voltaire was Christian and he wrote that all Christians should be brothers to each other. But not only that, something very unusual for his time, it was uh, 17th, 18th century. Um, he said that people of all religions should be siblings in their faith for that they all believe in a higher God, and for that they all are kind of alike. Well, uh, I don't think we can call Voltaire a Christian by modern standards. Well, because... Well, he, he didn't write in modern times, did he? Well, yes, you know, but uh, I think so he consider himself like a, like a being a religious person in terms of, in terms of today's uh, well, notion. 
I think you could even call him a propagandistic well, Christian. Well, yes, yes, I call. He was he was very Christian. No, uh, he was. Um, he treated religion in his proper way, in his personal way, because what he actually explained is that yes, you have a god, but the god can be everything. So you don't have a, a stable, fixed, uh, standardized god you try to you try to find. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry to break it to you, but no one believes that God is, you know, the man on the white cloud up there. Everyone thinks it's a wider concept. And right. he, he very much believed in, in God and he well, practiced what the Bible I think said. there are lots of different people, actually. I, I just uh, sure. talk about the, people I, exp I have a conversation with, uh, just try to understand the way they, they, they're thinking. And uh, yes, but... Uh, The, the truth is that uh, we have to believe in something in this life. So, because if you don't have any, uh, if you don't have anything to believe in, so you have no illusions, and we need illusions. We need a hope to, and uh, have a, a kind of um, a place where can can relax from our everyday life. I think where we can um, rely on. You wanted to say something, Aurelia, I think? No, no, I don't think I do, because, you know, it's... Oh, oh, my God, it's really hard for me to grasp, grasp what you are actually talking about. It's very <laughs> I'm confused, so sorry, yes. yes. Um, uh, but I, I don't know, do you want to maybe continue about Voltaire as an influencer of sorts? Well, yes, I've just said that uh, uh, he actually taught me to to respect other liberties too other other freedoms because there are no such a thing like a, like a fixed freedom everyone understand it uh, in, in in the same way so that's what I do that is uh, perhaps a great um, closing word to have influences as people who influences in a way that makes us accept other people more That kind of gives us a good ending on who influences us and who can be an influence. And I think it's important that every single one of us can be an influencer to someone. And even us now being on the radio are influencers to those who listen to us. So thank you for listening to us and thank you to li for listening to Norway. We hope to welcome you back in the next episode.